Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. I'm your host, Brian J. Henderson. And I'm your co-host, Gregory Turner. Greg, how you doing this evening? Man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. How are you? Good. It's hot, but <laughs> I'm holy, so it's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a hot show tonight, too. I mean, we've been we've been seeing our guests on on everything, and I'm, you know what? He's going to bless a lot of people tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. The uh, topic for tonight's show is spiritual arsenal. Spiritual arsenal. And you know, when I came up with the with the topic, you know, I was thinking about how, you know, with all the stuff that's going on in the world, you know, and there's so many people that are, you know, crying out for help. They're crying out for somebody to help them do something, to help them get through something, to help them get over something or get past something. And it made me think about why don't we just use the weapons that are already available, you know, to fight this, you know, to fight that battle. Yeah. And so spiritual arsenal just came to me and I said, that's it. That's it. You know, so we want to talk about the weapons. And you know what, Brian? The thing is, we have all of these weapons at our, I mean, right at our fingertips and we're not using them. Absolutely. We're falling for the, for the, for the, for the weapons that society say that we should use. And we're trying to fight this battle on our own, but the thing about it is, it's not our battle to fight. And once, and once we know what the written word says, you know, we're better prepared to deal with life, you know, when it comes. Because it's going to come. And, you know, in your life, Brian, and, and in my life, and everybody that's listening, they can tell you that life, you know, life has a way of knocking you down on your knees. And if you're not prepared for it, you'll make bad decisions, you'll make bad choices, you'll, you know, out of anger, you'll do things that you normally wouldn't do. And you'll wind up getting yourself in trouble. But yeah. you're, you're right. There's so many people out there that have dreams, they have goals, and they're being attacked. Those dreams are, uh, you know, there's dream killers out there that's coming at us to kill those dreams. And we need to know how to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our call-in number is 718 718- Five zero eight ninety six hundred. That's seven eight five zero eight ninety six hundred. If you have any comments, questions for our guests, feel free to call in. Feel free to email us. Um, you can go to the online site and you get our email addresses, or you can also uh, go to the MySpace pages. All right, tonight's guest is. Pastor Robert L. Carpenter. And Pastor Carpenter is known as your online pastor and personal motivator. Oh, yeah. And every day he ministers to hundreds of people uh, via the World Wide Web. And he was, I'll give you a little bit of information about him. He was born in Manhattan, New York, and was reared in the fisherman's town of Port Salerno. Wow, I got some family out in Port Salerno. I can't say it. Port Salerno as well. And uh say so he was a at a young age he had become an accomplished musician and his unique ability to minister in music both vocally and instrumentally has afforded him the opportunity to minister with many of America's premier ministers and gospel music artists. And uh we actually share a mutual friend if everybody knows who Javen is. <laughs> you know, Javen Campbell. That's 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 home team there. And uh we're gonna bring the pastor on and let him tell you about you know, who he is as well, and then we'll, you know, get into asking him some questions about, you know, the things that are important to him as well as, you know, the weapons that he uses and the weapons that he carries in his spiritual arsenal. Pastor, are you there? I am here, and I'm glad to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome <laughs> to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We're glad to have you. Oh, I'm excited about this, but looking forward to it. Good, good, good. good. So, Pastor, tell us about yourself. Well, there's uh, there's so much. No, not really. There's not a lot. But uh, <laughs> I, I was born in Manhattan, New York, and it's actually a unique story. At age of two, uh, I moved uh, down to uh, the little fisherman, little small town about 30 miles north of West Palm Beach called Port Salerno. Mm-hmm. And uh, wasn't nothing much going on. So when I graduated from high school, 
I got on out of that. But anyway, <laughs> but I, I make I make jokes about it. But you know, all my family, the majority of my family is there, and uh, you know, was reared in the church, uh, and, and the church there, uh, school, everything, and and all of the foundation that I have now, you know, was laid during those years there, and then went off to college in Tennessee, and and uh, room was roommates with Javen, and actually we were we grew up together. Our parents were good close friends, and my mother's his one of his brother's uh, godmother, and all that. So we we hooked up together up in Tennessee in college, and hung out with each other for a while. And then <clears throat> it was during that time that the Lord called me to preach. And I always tell everybody, I did not want to preach. I was fine just doing music. My music uh, ministry and career was going very well, and uh, I did not want to preach. And I fought God, but the Lord won. <laughs> Amen. He, he, he won. He won that round. And then a couple of years later, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to pastor. And there again, I said, absolutely not. There's no way in this world I'm going to do that, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I lost again. <laughs> <laughs> and from that point, it was five years, though, from the time I received that call in the pastor before I actually started pastoring. And, uh, and ever since uh, the end of 1998, I've been a senior pastor an executive pastor, a youth pastor, all of that type stuff uh, throughout the years. All right, all right, amen. And also, Pastor, I'm looking on your website. I'm sort of cheating a little bit, too. <laughs> but I'm looking on your website, and uh, it says that you're also the CEO of Synegra- Syn- I'm- Synergio. Synergio, all right, thank you. Synergio Resources Incorporated. And tell us a little bit about that. Well, Synergia Resources uh, is a, a company, a four, well, it's two parts to it, actually several parts to it, but Synergia Resources is a for-profit corporation. Uh, I'm a uh, certified life coach and motivational speaker, so we do that uh, under that umbrella. Also, I have also launched about uh, six months ago a virtual assistance company. That's called Synergia Virtual Solutions, so for small businesses that don't have the wherewithal, the resources to hire a full-time secretary, an accountant, and office manager to be in an office eight, nine, ten hours a day. Um, we, uh, that company actually offers that in different packages where uh, college students or at-home moms, stay-at-home moms or anybody that we, that we hire can actually do that legwork for you, write your letters, keep your books, that type of stuff, because a lot of small businesses uh, don't have those resources to do all that. And, you know, sometimes it's a one-man show. So if I've got to do the work and do the books and write the letters and send the faxes and make the phone calls and receive the phone calls, it becomes a bit much. And so we launched that about six months ago, Synergia Virtual Solutions. And the other side of that is uh, our, the ministry side, Synergia Ministries, where we have a ministry and leadership development school. We also are getting ready to launch a uh, ministerial fellowship because uh, we have several ministries and churches now that uh, want to come on our coverings. Again, that was one of those things I really didn't choose to do, but just when people start coming, you say, hey, I want to be in covenant with you. So that word synergio actually comes out of Romans 8.28. Oh, okay. Well, which is all things work together. That word together there is the Greek word of synergio, which is where we get the word synergy. Many different forces combine together to cre- create a greater force. Wow. Awesome. You know, you said that you you were called, and you said you fought that. I, I've heard that so much from people. A lot of people say that they rather stay in the background and be out in the front. What was it that you were really fighting against? What was it? I know that you know when God called you, you I know you heard Him clearly, but you said you were you just afraid of stepping out? Was was that it? Well, you, you, you're, not, you're gonna you're gonna call me a lying preacher in a moment, but I, I really am by nature very shy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and most people are like, "No, you're not. You're lying." But actually, I'm very I'm, by nature I'm very shy, and so it, I mean you'd have to put almost put a gun to my head to make me talk and speak in front of people. Now, if I was doing music, that was my comfort zone. I had, even at that time, I had already ministered or performed in music with choir, with, choir, with choirs with several hundred and, 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 and audiences of several thousand. So I could do that, no problem. But that didn't require me having to get out in front of people. 
And so that was really the big deal where it's like I don't want to speak in front of folk. I don't want to get in front of folk and have to say anything. And so during that process, what I found is like when I was in the gospel choir, I was the band director, but sometimes the director said, hey, I'm running late. Would you do devotion? I was like, <sighs> you know, and I would sweat, and I'd be so nervous, you know, and or they'd say, come on, lead us in prayer, and I'd be like, <sighs> you know, and, and so after a while, all of a sudden I kept getting thrust in these situations where I was having to lead in certain, you know, scenarios, and so it kind of just kind of like, okay, God, all right, I'll do it. But But really, if I'm not ministering or if I'm not in my – uh, pastor preaching motivational speaker mode, you know, are comfortable. You wouldn't know I was in a room. Wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> and see, I'm not gonna call you a lying preacher. Well, Thank you so much. <laughs> I know the first time when I spoke to you, you were so full of energy, and I was like, "Wow!" You know, and and, and you kind of liken yourself to, you know, I kind of liken myself to that as well. You know, I'm not very outspoken until I start speaking. Right. <laughs> you know, and then you can't shut me up because that's just, yeah. that's just, I guess, what I call my gift. Right, right. You know, and, um, you know, I was thinking about what you said about your ministry, uh, the Synergio, mm-hmm. the, uh, the fellowship. Yes. I'm, I'm sort of reading it as well while I'm asking you, but, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times when you have so many different things going on, you know, because as I'm reading, I mean, I see you do a lot of stuff, brother. Yes. You know, is it at any time do you feel like you have the need to, like, reload? Uh, not too much, not not too often, uh, because I, I have kind of, you know, my, my degree is in psychology and pastoral studies, and so I have learned or acquired the skill of trying to be balanced. Now, that doesn't mean I always master it but I try to be balanced. And so even though I have a lot of different things going on, I still always kind of schedule in my rest time. I right. schedule in my break time. Um, I got away from this for a while, and I found myself getting overwhelmed. But, you know, I've started back now. I've already set uh, not just my vacation time, but also every two months I take a weekend off. I'm starting to do that again where I, I turn off the cell phone, I don't take the laptop, I don't take the Blackberry, and I oh, just man. go away. I miss. I, I don't go to church at my church that Sunday. I usually just go out of town, usually like on a Friday, Friday night, come back on a Sunday or Monday or something like that. And, and that allows me just to spend time in the presence of the Lord and just to be fresh. And usually every time I do that, when I come back, I'm ready to go 100 miles an hour. <laughs> and so by by doing that, you know, I'm, I'm very organized in my thinking, so I'm able to kind of, keep everything in perspective, and if one thing kind of goes a little wacko, I, I don't drop this thing over here, you know, but it, it takes making sure that I get proper rest, making sure that I spend time with the Lord, but also just time with myself, making sure that I still unwind, making sure that I'm reading a book or just, you know, doing something to wind down. So that, that's, that's how I'm able to do a lot of that. Good. You know, you said that one thing that you do that stood out to me, the life coaching. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of your people, a lot of people that that come to you, I know that they're asking you, Pastor, what do I do? I'm, I'm in this situation, and I just don't know what to do. It's like they're just hanging on, and, and if they hear one more bad thing to happen, they'll pretty much it'll pretty much push them off of the cliff. What do you tell them? Do you do you introduce uh, them to God, or, or, or what what steps do you take? Well, one one of the things I do, and and to kind of explain it a little better, I actually didn't mean to get into life coaching, but I found myself, especially with having one of my ministries at that time, the last four years, primarily here in Orlando, ministering to college students, I have literally in the last four years dealt with everything from drugs, drug abuse, overdose, attempted suicides, pregnancy, abortion, domestic violence, anything you can think of I've dealt with at that university. And, and so I found myself constantly counseling, but nowadays there's so much liability with counseling, and I did not have malpractice insurance, and so I had to kind of 
step away from that, but I said there's got to be a way that I can still be able to minister but yet protect myself and my integrity, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's kind of how I got into the life coaching. With the life coaching, I, I don't deal so much with the problems, but rather I deal with solutions or helping you set goals uh, uh, for your life. And so when we start focusing on your goals or helping you set goals and getting organized, et cetera, et cetera, that doesn't mean those problems you have go away. But now we're dealing with those problems from a different perspective because now we're not just every session rehearsing, well, this happened to me today, this happened to me today, and this happened to me today. But rather, this, this is where I'm going. Okay, we've got a bump in the road. Let's deal with that. And my life coaching is very spiritual. I coach not just from whatever different techniques that I've learned and acquired, but also straight from the Word of God. Uh, my life coaching comes, even when I'm talking about organizational skills, I come right from the Word. Christian or not, you're going to get the Word. Okay. And you're going to get the biblical principles. And so uh, I, usually I think one of the things that hurts me is because the sessions are so good, usually after people get like a good month in, they're like, they feel like they can conquer the world. They don't need me anymore. <laughs> 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 but, but really, it, it really, I really take them and I give them sound biblical principles, and we don't focus on all the problems. We focus on strengths. Okay, and and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, you know that I had last night because the person listed on the thing on one side of the paper they listed their strengths, the other side they listed their weaknesses. And I said, here's the problem. You're looking at those as weaknesses. You need to look at those as non-strengths. Hmm. Because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Where I'm when I'm weak, He makes me strong. So even in an area that I say is weak. It's just an area that is not as strong as the other areas. It's like a muscle. I just got to build it up. Mm. And so that's really a lot of what I do with concentrating on building up people, even as a pastor in my messages. You know, I'm not one to just preach on sin and sin and sin because people know when they sin it. Right. <laughs> and they know right from Most folk know right from wrong. You know, but but if I can help you to build up, or as the as the as the, as the Bible says, to edify the body, you're going to eventually stop doing that stuff that you're doing. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so 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 that that's one of the things that I do with the with with, you know, with the life coaching, and I mean I I love it. I have clients, you know, uh, in town. I have clients that are out of town and around the country now, even out of the country now. So I, I love it. I enjoy it. Yes, yes. You know, Pastor, I wanted to ask you about uh, something that you kind of delineated to last night when we were talking, um, your uh, series on matters of the heart, issues of the flesh. Uh. Oh, man. Once, when you start talking about that, I said, we need to uh, – we need to talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, 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 here's here's the thing. Here's the foundation for this. As I told you uh, before, when we prepped for the for the call tonight, the show tonight, one of the things that I have found in dealing with the uh, with the people of God and, and people in general is that too often we come to church with issues that we're wrestling with, we're struggling with, we're, 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 we, we're fighting with. And we know one of those is the flesh, our lust and all that, and our emotions. But how often do you hear the preacher teach and preach about it? Hmm. So what happens is, okay, you've preached me into financial prosperity. You've taught me how to, uh, taught me biblical principles on how to live. You've taught me about stewardship. You've taught me that I, about faith, how I can be here. You've taught me how to love everybody. You've taught me all these things. But yet when I leave, when I go home, I'm still dealing with some stuff in my flesh. Ah. And I come the next Sunday and you teach me something else. But I'm not, we're not dealing with this type of stuff. Consequently, what happens is people are sitting in the pews and they do not know how to manage their emotions. They do not know how to manage their flesh. They do not know how to manage their desires. 
and we leave week after week, month after month, year after year, and watch this, and most, by the grace of God, just don't get caught or exposed. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, see, 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 some folks, you know, we get all on the women that get pregnant out of wedlock and all that, and the guy kind of sometimes gets off scot-free. But if the truth be told, she was just the one that got pregnant. So that's an outwardly an outward symbol of her sin. Right. But what about all the other folk that are in the choir, on the usher board, in the pulpit, on, in the back row that are doing the same stuff? Or dealing with the same stuff, trying not to do it. Mm. And so in this series, Matters of the Heart, Issues of the Flesh, I deal with all of that because here's the thing, I, and I get this question all the time, well, God made us to have these emotions and these passions and these feelings and these physiological responses, then why is it so bad? And the question, the answer is it's not bad. What we have to do is learn how to manage them. Yeah. Right. See, he put them there for to be in the confines of marriage. The problem is, is once you have partaken, like Eve, of the fruit prior to marriage, mm. now you have all these emotions and physiological responses that are out of control, that quickly get out of control, and now you don't know what to do. And so the best thing I do is, well, when it gets really difficult to manage, well, let me just go ahead and, and fulfill the desire, and that will hold me off for a while. But here's, here's the thing, and, and I guess I can go. Can I go there? Yes, you can. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Here, here's the thing. Even, because here's the thing. I love God, but my body is screaming. <laughs> my emotions, I have read, I've watched TBN, Word Network, Daystar all night long. Keep the TV on it all night long. But once I turn the TV off, I still have the desire in my flesh. <laughs> and so, so consequently, I love God, and I don't want to let him down, but how do I deal with this? And so we end up resting and warring, and sometimes we make unwise decisions. And then what happens is when we end up fulfilling the desire, if you really love God and you've got the Spirit of God in you, most times, nine times out of ten, you feel bad immediately after you've done it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I, I'm not a woman, so I can't say, but I've talked to women. But I know as a man, as a man, you know, I, I'll say, I'll use me as an example. When I have done that outside of the conference, there were, there were times where it was like, at the time, I'm saying to myself, I know I'm doing wrong. I know I shouldn't be doing this. Lord, forgive me. Lord, Jesus. Oh, Lord. But then I, get, then I go ahead and do what I have to do because I'm trying to, uh, uh, you know, fulfill my desires, but as soon as I come off the mountaintop, I feel dirty, I feel low, I feel ashamed, I feel convicted, and all this stuff, and now I got to go and I got to pray, and now I got to go and I got to ask the Lord for forgiveness, and I got to pray, Lord, wash me, Lord, cleanse me, and he does, (laughs) until until the cycle repeats itself. Right, right, right. So, so, so that's what I deal with in this because a lot of people are sitting in the church and, and they really, you know, nobody's helping them deal with it. So in this series, I deal with, you know, relationships. I deal with love and emotions. I deal with sex and not just saying don't fornicate, but, but literally walking you through how you can learn to, there are things you can do that when you feel your emotions or your body starting to react or respond, that will keep you out of harm's way. So you can live a life that God is pleased. Because here's the thing. The sin is not in the temptation. The sin is in giving into the temptation. And many people feel guilty and dirty and bad because they are tempted. But the sin is not there. It's when you give into it. Pastor, I, I just got a, a, an email answer from MySpace, and the question is, how do you deal with the guilt? 
how do you deal with the guilt? Well, I think the one thing that you have to do is deal with, when dealing with the guilt is you have to stay transparent, number one, with yourself, but number two, with God, and number two, with your brother or sister. And when I, when I say brother or sister, I'm meaning that what you need to do is get an accountability partner. I didn't say a fornication partner. I said accountability partner. <laughs> Somebody that you know you can trust to say, hey, look, if you're a guy, get another guy and say, hey, look, man, I don't know about you, but I'm struggling. And he'd be like, you know what, I am too. Because, see, that's the other problem in the church. We're fake. We're too fake. We're too fake. We all come in there, praise the Lord. We know how to put on the show, but in all actuality, we're really wrestling with some of the same stuff. That's true. So now if I've got another brother, if I'm a man, I've got another brother that's, hey, we're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to say, okay, you know what? And, you know, and the same thing with women. I, I tell people, if you know that you hot, then don't go on a date by yourself because you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Hello. So, yeah. But, but how do you deal with the guilt? You stay transparent, and you don't try to – don't try to justify what you did. And what you literally have to do is say, God, this is an area in my life that is out of control, that at least I cannot control. Help me. And if you ask the Lord, the Bible says if you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you. The issue is when you do that, then God will begin to give you innovative ways. He'll begin to speak to you, say you don't need to go over there. He'll even tell you, you don't need to watch that tonight. He'll tell you, don't put that on. Yes, sir. Because you know the response or the reaction that you're going to get. And when you do that now, because that's part of the issue of the guilt, we feel, we feel guilty before God. Yes. Right. So if you go to God and say, God, instead of trying to act like we got our guests, say, God already knows anyway. So if you go to God and say, God, just help me. I really need your help. If you make that your prayer, I'm telling you, you will find yourself being ministered to by the Spirit of God when those times come. Wow. If you just join us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. And if you have any questions for the pastor, please give us a call at 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. Pastor, we have someone calling in from the 561 area code. Caller, are you there? Hello, caller, are you there? I guess we must have must have lost them. So, Pastor, you know, when, when people are dealing with these temptations uh, that we were talking about, that you were just talking about, Pastor, are you there? I'm here. Okay, yeah. When, when people are fighting those temptations, you know, on a daily basis, it seems like they're going through up one minute, down the next minute. It's like they're on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, how how can you get those emotions in check? You know, I, I see people all the time. Some days you, you see people in the mornings, they're really nice, and then the next morning they're ready to bite your head off. Mm-hmm. What 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 do you think that is? Why 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 is a person going through something like that? Well, I think what they're trying to do, number one, is they're trying to handle it in their own strength. Okay. And 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 when you try to handle, you can't handle something in your own strength if you're not strong enough. That's why the Bible says, "When I am weak, He He makes me strong," which means you have to uh, spend your day. You know, we say take one day at a time. Well, in some situations, you literally have to take one hour at a time. Yeah. And you have to say, okay, <laughs> it's nine o'clock. I'm going to try to get to 10 o'clock without getting my mind on whatever it is. And when 10 o'clock comes, okay, you reward yourself. Okay, now let's go to 11. And, 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 and you start your day off uh, spending time in the presence of God and asking God to be with you because I tell people you have to have you – can't, you can't pray all day if you're working um, because they'll put you off your job. But you can have an attitude of prayer where you try to stay in that mode or in that presence. And so when you do that, when those temptations come, it's kind of easier to deal with because now I don't have to get as frustrated because, you know what, I know what I'm dealing with. I know what it is. I know my weaknesses or I know my non-strength. I know I'm not strong in this area, so I'm going to avoid this area as much as possible. But what happens is when 
a lot of times we don't we don't spend the time in prayer. We don't spend time with God, and so we have not built ourselves up as in Jude built ourselves up in the most holy faith. So now we're going our own strength, and if you go in your own strength, you're going to pretty much lose every time. And so when you do that, it helps keep you balanced. You're not different ways on different days, like you say. Some folks, you, you know, good morning, what's good about it? You know, then, then two hours later, hey, praise the Lord. You're like, oh, oh, which one of y'all am I talking to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that person, and, and let me just say this, I feel led to say this, and, and here's the thing, because some people have to take antidepressants and different things like that. And, you know, and if you have to take that, you know, then if the doctors prescribe that to you, then you go ahead and take it. But I guarantee if you begin to spend time in the presence of God and start your days off that way and taking literally one hour at a time instead of trying to go throughout the whole day, you will find that your, your attitude, your moods will, will even out much better because now you're saying, I'm literally spending time in the presence of the Lord which means that you've got to put on some gospel music, put on some, get your iPod, put your CD player on, put something on your, if you're in an office, put something on your wall. Anything you can do that can help build yourself up, it will keep you balanced. Yes. Yes. Pastor, we have a, another MySpace question, and the question is, I am fighting being gay. How do I deal with it? Oh my! Well, let let me just say this. I actually deal with this, deal with that in the series, uh, and I don't deal with it from a gay bashing perspective because <laughs> I'm I'm gonna lose some engagements on this one. But <laughs> but here's the thing: homosexuality is wrong. It's just as wrong as fornication and adultery. Okay. Uh, but we talk about homosexuality and the abomination of God. The Bible says that. But if you read the Bible in context and you read it clearly, so is lying. Ah. So if homosexuality is an abomination, so is lying. So now if we're going to condemn the homosexuals, <laughs> we need to condemn the liars. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of them in the church. So oh, yeah. what, what I do, I don't go from a gay bashing perspective, but rather to say, just like the person that is dealing with fornication and adultery, just like that person is dealing with lying, just like that person is dealing with being dishonest or stealing or manipulative or whatever the case, uh, someone who's dealing with homosexuality is the same thing. I will say this, that in this last day, it seems like that spirit has gotten stronger and bolder, so it is very difficult to fight it. So how do you deal with that? Well, I think there again, you have to get to a place where you have to say, okay, God, I don't want to be like this. Now, there are those, and, and I'm going to go deep for a second here. There are those that say, well, I was born this way. I have people in my church. I have a young man in my church. He says, I was born this way. Since I've known myself, I've been attracted to men, and he's a guy. Okay. Now, here's the thing. There is some truth to that. Okay, watch this, watch this. Because the Bible says in the Old Testament that the sins of the fathers travel down to the third and fourth generations, which literally means that there was a great-grandma or great-grandpa somewhere back, back in your bloodline that could have dealt in that, even if it was undercover, or as they say, on the down low. And because of their sins now, you have that third and fourth generation that are literally being born with that in their bloodline. Mm. This is why we have to be born again by the Spirit. So there are people that literally, I mean, I, you know, you hate to say it, but I mean, I've seen, I've seen little, little boys very young, and they haven't been molested, and they just are sweet, and you're like, good Lord, what, what's going on? There's something in the bloodline. So what you have to do is you may or may not be able to find that out, but if you felt that way from the time you've known yourself, then you have to come against it in your bloodline. Ah, Because I guarantee you if it's in your bloodline, you're not the only one in your family. Mm. 
Just like there are different families that have alcoholism that run through the family. There are different ones that have patterns, detrimental patterns that run through the family. It's in the bloodline. So number one, if it's something you've always felt, you need to combat it and say, I cancel this in my bloodline because if you don't, generations after you're going to deal with it. That's number one. Hmm. Number two, some are that way, male and female, because they have been abused, they have been hurt, they've been molested, they've been manipulated at a young age sometimes or even an older age. And so they, they know that they shouldn't be, but their body is desiring something else. And so what you have to do is, again, number one, be honest with yourself and real before God and say, God, I do not want to be this way. I know you did not make this way. You have to make these declarations with your mouth. And then what you have to do is try to find someone that you can trust with that. Because, see, part of the problem with the homosexuals is that, well, you know, we'll bash, we'll bash them in the church, some of them. But then we'll let some of them that's in the choir, praise the Lord, the musicians, come on now. <laughs> if, they're, if they're active in the church, we'll turn our back on them. But if we're just somebody that's not really involved and not important, we'll say, mm, he needs to get, what is he doing, what is she doing, so on and so on. But, but that's another story. We'll talk about that in therapy. But listen, here, here's the thing. So what you have to do is go before God and then find someone that you can be accountable to, that you can be open to, that you know that's not going to abuse it or manipulate it. Right, right. And then, uh, and, and I'm talking about in prayer more so than anything, and allow God to change you. Now, just like the person that deals with fornication, adultery, smoking, drugs, whatever, you cannot put yourself in situations where you know you're vulnerable. Right. If I'm trying to get delivered from drinking, I can't go to the liquor store. I can't go to happy hour. I set myself up for failure. See, some stuff is not so spiritual. So if I'm dealing with that, guess what? I need to disconnect from some of the people that I'm with that are in that same lifestyle. And I need to surround myself around people that are going to help me in my deliverance. Now, it's, it's easier said than done, but it can be done. I've seen it done with men and women at my own churches. Right. And finally, the third category is the person, and this is more so women, that have been so hurt and abused and dogged out by men till a woman comes along and shows them attention and loves them better than a man did. Ah. And so even though... <laughs> They know it's wrong because I've talked to many lesbians, and the one thing they have said is, yeah, but, but a, man that, a woman knows how to love a woman better than a man does because she is a woman. Nah. And a lot of it yeah. with lesbians is very emotional and not sexual, even though there is the sexual part. Those must be misunderstood. But it's a lot of emotional tie first than it is sexual. Yes. Yeah. With men, it's more sexual first, then emotional. So those are usually three categories. So you have to, for the person that's listening in, you have to be real with God. Find somebody you can be real with that, you can, that can minister to you and not going to bash you. Because I will tell you, I have people in my church. I didn't ask God for it, but they came. Now, some of them haven't told me, but it's clearly obvious. But some of them have told me because they're not out of clothes. I've had male and females come to me and say, hey, look, Pastor, I'm really wrestling with this. I need help. But I've worked with them and prayed with them and, and, and coached them, and I've seen them get delivered. And so you, too, can be set free and delivered if you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor, I heard you say something about, well, you didn't say negative people, but you said people, pretty much like-minded people. The question I have for you is, you know, when you're trying, you, you, when you're fighting and trying to find your, your niche, your, you, you have a dream, you have goals, but you have people in your corner that's not being very supportive. How can you deal with the negative people? I know you can cut them off, but how can you deal with 
fighting the negative people when you're chasing your dream? Well, I think with fighting negative people, there's one thing about negative people, and, and, and I found this to be a truth because a lot of times we like to hit, hit, cut them off. Now, here's the thing, because I wrote a blog today about cutting out people that are poison and toxic to you. But these are people that cause you damage, that are literally killing you, draining the life out of you. But there are some, there are some good to having some negative people in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Because they they can't help you. Number one, they keep you on your knees. But number two, <laughs> but number two, they keep help. They help balance for, for keeping keep you in perspective. So all the time, because they are negative, they may not mean to be negative. But at the same time, still there's something that you can get, even if it's a matter of balance, out of them saying what they're saying. So what you have to do is. And I, and I use this term a lot, properly discern their level of influence on you. Now, here's the thing. If they're negative and it's not benefiting you, well, then you need to remove yourself as much as possible. Okay? But how do you deal with the folks that are negative that are connected to you? They're a sister. They're a brother. They're a mother. They're a father. So you have to learn how to... Take what they say or take, you know, and discard it and not let it offend you or take what they say and, and, and wait for what it's worth and only that much and don't let it destroy you, don't let it hurt you, okay, because I, I've dealt with that a lot, okay. I have some family members, they love me with everything in them, but when I go to do some things that, that have been very successful, but at the time they were like, what are you doing? That's crazy. I mean, folks told me when I was released from West Palm Beach, what are you going to Orlando for? I don't know. The Lord said go to Orlando. Well, actually said go to Atlanta, but I ended up in Orlando. I just heard them wrong. You know, they sounded like. But, <laughs> but, but when I got here, everybody was like, what, what are you doing? I said, I know, I know I heard the Lord. And within a matter of weeks of being here, everything that I'm doing now opened up. Wow. And now those same people, oh, that's wonderful. Oh, you know, but there's still some of them saying, well, sure wish you could have moved here. Sure wish you'd moved back home. But, I, you know, but so I had to learn not to let that stuff hurt me and bother me. I had to let it push me to say no because I know I heard God. And so, I, I, you know, I have my plan. I've written my vision. I've made it plain so I can run with it. So you just have to properly discern those who are negative in your life. Yes, yes, yes. Pastor, I want to talk a little bit about um, your other ministry you do. I know you have the University Christian Fellowship, and you also have a new church down in Boynton Beach. Tell us about that. Well, I used to pastor in the city of Boynton Beach, which is between uh, West Palm Beach, about 15 minutes south of West Palm Beach, between West Palm Beach and Fort Lauderdale. Um, I pastored there in a denominational church from 98 to 2001. And uh, I, I left the denomination strictly because of the political system, and I, I just couldn't deal with it because everybody that was joining my church was not a part of that denomination. So it was a, it was a conflict. And so in that denomination, uh, which shall remain nameless, you know, uh, you know, they could move pastors around whenever they got ready. So. I went to a church of five members and built it up to over two, three hundred, and it was like, okay, think I'm going to send you somewhere else now. And I'm like, no, 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 this is where God sent me. Well, and so we kind of went back and forth with that for a year. And so when he was saying he wanted to move me someplace else, I was like, no. I just said, you know what, I'll just step out because it wasn't my church. I didn't start the church. The church was 70, 75 years old. And so uh, when I left there, however, there was still a demand for me to come back. Now, here's the thing. I left in 2001. I just started back this year. Three, my friend, we just started our third month at the church. But here's the thing. I could have gone immediately and started the church when I left the other church and split it. And probably 95% of everybody that was there would have come with me. But guess what? What would that have done to the church that I helped build? It would have torn it up. That's helping somebody there. Mm -hmm. So I, I left, and I left properly, 
okay? But then the demand was still there for me to come back. And so we tried to get it started a couple of years ago and uh, uh, didn't quite work out, and that was because uh, I kind of left it to some other people to do it. And when I, right when I got the end of last year, right when I got upset and frustrated because, uh, you know, they didn't keep it going or whatever the case, the Lord said, well, I didn't tell them to start. I told you to start it. And I was like, okay, Lord. <laughs> there goes that losing fight again. And so uh, so immediately I kind of got my ducks in a row. And uh, when we had the meeting, said we're going to start back within a matter of two months. We found a location at the Holiday Inn there, uh, on Congress there near the mall in Boynton Beach. And uh, within a month after that, we started having service the first Sunday in June. And it's coming along. It's coming along slowly. It's summertime. But, you know, when you know you're sent someplace, you know, every, every weekend, my family and I, we travel two and a half hours <laughs> down, to, down to Palm Beach County, uh, do our service there at 9 a.m., and then my service here in Orlando uh, is at 4 p.m., so we have enough time to rest, hang out, travel back, you know, get back and turn up the church in Orlando, and I do that every week. Wow. Pastor, I, just, I was uh, just emailed a very serious question. Uh, someone is uh-huh. listening. Uh, I'll just say they're up north. Uh, the question is, I'm struggling with suicidal thoughts. When things go wrong, I tend to want to end it all. What can I do? Uh, well, the first thing is that you have to realize that suicide is not of God, it's of the devil. And if you're... You, and if you're having those thoughts, especially frequently, then there, there's something you open yourself up to that's even demonic, okay? And I don't know what it is. Maybe you're watching too many horror movies. Maybe you're reading something. Maybe you've done something, but you've opened yourself up spiritually to a demonic spirit. That is a demonic spirit. And so what you need to do is you need to cry out to God and tell God, to deliver me from this spirit because the enemy, watch this, the enemy, the, all he wants to do is if he can kill you, he can kill your destiny. If he can kill you, then what you were sent here for by God won't be accomplished. And the fact that he has planted those thoughts in your mind lets me know that you have a great purpose here in the earth. And the devil is so mad and so determined to get you, he'd rather you be out of here than to accomplish it. Hmm. So he has literally set up a specific assignment against you. But what you have to say is, no, I'm not going to be defeated. And when those thoughts come, you begin to plead the blood of Jesus over your mind, over your body, over your emotions, and all of that, even when it's happening. If you've got the, if you've got to go get around some folk when it's happening, if you've got to holler and scream, if you've got to, uh, uh, you know, go go somewhere and pray, if you got to go run to a church, I don't care what church, there's always some little church open up somewhere. But do whatever you have to do when you're having those thoughts, so God can deliver you. It's amazing because I was just telling, uh, uh, t- telling someone the other night about how I can remember very clearly back in 1995, the summer of 1995, the last week in June, how I spent a week and just shut in in consecration in my apartment. And at that time, I was living in West Palm Beach, and literally demonic forces came in that place and literally spoke to me and said, we want to kill you. We'd rather you be dead than alive. And I was not even walking in anything I'm doing now. I was still trying to get there. But... But what, what happened is, and I remember that, and I remember I literally had to uh, start beginning to war in the spirit and even in the natural against that. And so, you know, I, you know, I never had to deal with suicidal thoughts. But, what, but, but I understand and recognize that when you have a purpose and a destiny designed by God that you were created for, the enemy will literally send demons, demonic forces, to try to keep you from reaching that. And if you, all you can do is buy, say, the blood of Jesus cover me, the blood of Jesus rebuke you, say that the Lord rebuke you, you got to say that kind of stuff. You can't be like, say the Lord rebuke you. No, no, no. It's your life you're messing with. you gotta, you got to say it with authority. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Pastor, I want to add something to that. You know, um, to the person that sent that message out, 
you know, you need to really find someone like uh, the pastor was talking about earlier. You need to find someone who you can trust, that you can share those thoughts with, so that you can, you know, so you can each, you know, basically minister to each other. You know, find somebody who you truly can trust with your thoughts, with your, you know, with the things that are going on in your life, because, you know, suicide is final. You know, that's a final that. That that's a physical finality, you know, but it's not a spiritual finality, you know. And the spirit is what's most important. We need that spirit to be in that body for that time, you know. God puts you here, like the pastor said earlier. God puts you here for a purpose, and that devil is it, you know. He boy, he's crafty. He'll make you think that you're not even worth living, <laughs> you know. And now think about that. He's still around. <laughs> Here's the thing with that The spirit of murder Because that's really what suicide is It's self-murder The spirit of murder is so deceiving Because how many times have people killed people In a fit of rage And right after they did it they felt bad They were crying over the very person they killed They were feeling remorseful over it The problem is if I kill myself I can't feel remorseful after I've done it And that's the trick of the enemy So, no, but let me tell you, brother, sister, whoever you are, understand you were created to fulfill your grand design. You were created to fulfill a purpose. You were dispatched here by God for this time and this season, and you are so powerful, you are so mighty, that the devil is literally scared of you. And see, this is, and the thing about it, we're talking about an arsenal uh, tonight, listen, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not, not fleshly, but are mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds, which means you've got to pull down that stronghold. You, you, you've got the war in the spirit. If all you can do is just say, Jesus, 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 when you're having those thoughts, say it, because there's power in the name of Jesus. You say the blood of Jesus, say Satan, the Lord, rebuke you. Whatever you have to do and find someone Sometimes, if there's an old mother somewhere, find somebody you know that's going to take the time to pray you through. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bless his name. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Pastor, we have so many people that are out there dealing with sickness, and they're on their, you know, mentally, it's starting to wear them down, and they're starting to give in to it. What words of encouragement do you have, or words of wisdom do you have for someone that's battling with, with their health? Well, well, first of all, I just want to say that having just come out of a little illness myself, uh, you know, and I, I went to the hospital the night in pain, and you can read my blog and hear all what happened, but even when I, I've never spent a night in the hospital since I was a baby, literally. So what I thought I was going to have to, they won't have to admit me to the hospital because of the pain I was in. They didn't. But here's the thing, you know, you've got to understand that the sickness that you have is not unto death. And I can tell you this, that there are times when you're sick or when you're in that pain, because the pain that I was experiencing for the last month straight was so excruciating, I, can, I, I remember telling my fiance, I remember telling her, I said, do you know the devil was trying to get me to tell God, just go ahead and take me out of here, just go ahead and take me on, Lord, so I don't have to deal with the pain, but I didn't do it. And so sometimes the pain will wear you down. But you've got to tell yourself this sickness is not unto death. You can't give up. Now, here's the thing. God is a healer, but in the process of healing, there's something maybe that he wants you to learn. There's a level of faith that he wants you to grow to. And one or two things are going to happen. Because I'm not going to sit here and say that everybody that's listening that's sick is going to be healed. But, again, the sickness is not unto death. And so what happens is your level of faith has to increase. And so you know what? Even though I'm sick with this, I'm still going to fulfill purpose. I'm still going to fulfill purpose. I may move around a little slower. It may take me a little longer to do it because I have some physical limitations. I've got some pain I'm dealing with, but I'm not going to allow this. Because of that attitude, that sickness, you know, you have to deal with it. Diabetes, high blood. HIV, AIDS, headaches, all this other stuff, even though that stuff may still be happening. It's still, you don't end up concentrating on it, but rather you're concentrating on what God has called you to. 
<laughs> and now it's not something that handicaps you, but rather it empowers you because you have a testimony. How people say, how can you do that and you're sick with this? How can you do that and you're on dialysis? How can you do that and your blood pressure is like this? How can you do that and you suffer a migraine? <laughs> because it's the power of God that's in me. You have to learn how to take authority over that sickness. Don't let the sickness take control of you. Yes, yes. You know, Pastor, I mean, those words are actually for me, too. <laughs> you know, because I deal with um, with sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. You know, where I have to wear, like, the mask at night, and I can't stand that thing. You know, uh -huh. but I don't let it defeat me. I don't, I don't look at it and say, oh, I'm sick, and, you know, I'm this, I'm that. You know, because I understand that I'm here for a purpose, even if that purpose is to let everybody know that there's a thing called sleep apnea, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, when I look at others who, you know, because, I mean, we had a lady on the show on Monday night who was HIV positive. <laughs> you know, and she was doing, she did everything that she knew to do right, you know, and she talks about it, you know, in, um, on our, she talked about it on our show. And she did everything in you know, in a godly manner. You know, she didn't fornicate. She was in the church. She met her her Adam in church. And the only the only mistake that she didn't you know, the only mistake that she made was she didn't ask him his status. You know. But he was you know, he was in the church, she was in the church, they did everything right, didn't fornicate before they got married, you know, and then here it is. He comes up, and a couple years later, he gets sick, and he dies, and he dies from HIV, and she finds out then that he was positive. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and then, you know, so a lot of times when you go through that type of stuff, it's not it's not through anything that you've actually done. You know, some people say, well, you, you made yourself sick because maybe you didn't eat right or maybe you didn't do this right or something like that. You know, but a lot of times you go through that, you know, and I liken it to Job. You know, mm -hmm. Job was a righteous man. He didn't really do anything wrong, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, he went through things, but, again, he didn't die from it. Right, right. You know, and so, I mean, that's what gives me strength and encouragement, you know, as I deal with my what I consider my thorn in the flesh. You know. and, I'm glad, and I'm glad you said that because I was going to talk about Paul. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And theologians have wrestled and argued about what that thorn was. But it was obviously something that caused him physical and emotional pain. Mm -hmm. But it did not stop Paul from being one of the greatest apostles ever. Right. But you can't let that thing stop you from doing what God has called you to do. That's true. But, Pastor, if someone needed to get in touch with you for the life coaching or to speak at, the, at an engagement, or they want your website information, your church information, can you please give that out? Well, uh, my website, the best way to get a hold of me is, uh, well, it's a lot of ways, but the best way is go to my website, www.robertcarpenter, it's C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R, robertcarpenter.org, and that will give you to my website. The information is there on both, on both churches on the live coaching, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're on myspace.com, just put myspace.com slash Pastor Carpenter, and you'll find me there. If you go on YouTube, just put in Pastor Robert Carpenter, you'll find me there. If you're on Facebook, put in Pastor Robert Carpenter, you'll find me there. <laughs> I, I'm very connected online. If you Google me, Pastor Robert Carpenter, I will come up right in the first few, uh, uh, first few entries there on Google. So I'm very easy. I am available for speaking. Preaching. I am a preacher. I'm a life coach. I do seminars. I'm a worship leader. I do sing and do music as well. Uh, I love to come and minister uh, at your church and your community, whatever the case. Please get a hold of me. I love doing this. I'm just a glorified church boy that want to do what God called me to do. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right. Hey, Pastor, we are glad that you came on and shared with us. I know that a lot of people were touched and helped tonight because I'm definitely was one of them. And, um, you know, again, we thank you. God bless you. And, you know, we'll definitely be in touch because we got to talk some more, brother. <laughs> yeah, this, hour, this hour went by too fast. I'm like, oh, man. I, 
I know it. That I know was all just introduction. That was just all just getting to know. I didn't even get it enough in the night. <laughs> and we're gonna have, well, we need to have you back on for part two. <laughs> Let's do that. We can do that. All right. Uh, to those out there listening, again, we thank you for listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. Thank you, and God bless you, and good night. Good night.